Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Catfish and Crappie podcast. Today, we have a very dear friend of mine, a guest, an accomplished angler, recently took second place at Patriot James Tournament. Proven everybody wrong with every breath he takes. Chadwick Fields, what's up, my friend? Oh, just living his dream, Mark. Waiting so, on the spawn to get through so we can get back on this stuff because it ain't it ain't been pretty lately. Yeah, I think we're in spawn here too. As of last week, I got reports from a uh, uh, a guy I know on uh, uh, Facebook and and talked to once in a while that uh, last flat hit he got was spilling eggs all over the deck on his boat. So uh, that's that's always a pretty good sign that they're either going in real soon to spawn. That is. Or they're already there, so um, yeah. it'll slow down. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. Um, my dr- experience dragging baits for catfish is extremely limited. So this show is hopefully not just to educate people who don't do it, to give me a leg up in trying to go after some channel cats on the Fox River in the next couple of weeks while I'm waiting for the flathead bite to uh, um, yeah. to, to, to come back into full swing for the post-spawn. Uh, bite which i love that's where i get all my big ones post spawn did you know that no i do um i don't know if it's it's probably the spots i fish more than anything so well i mean i mean that's i mean if you're gonna catch them you're gonna catch them sometime right how long so how mine's you, been pre-spawn so so I mean, how, long is, how long is the um the blue cat spawn out by you um normally it's a couple weeks and it seems like you know, they're not all at the same time, right? Typically, you're you're catching the small ones right about now, but I haven't even been able to do that the last two times out. The only thing I've been, well, I did catch one small one, not last, this past weekend, but the weekend before, but everything else has been channel cats. I know mm-hmm. a lot of guys are catching the flatheads and stuff right now still, but um, and I've known some people that were catching some blue cats, but not near as many fish right now as, as people would normally be posting and talking about and stuff like that. So definitely starting to see the slowdown coming on. It'll like July, yeah. About July 4th, everything will start picking back up. Well, good thing is we still got channel cats. I don't know how the channel cats bite bite is out where, where you fish, but I know over here it's either, you know, channels or flatheads and channels are always present except during, yeah. uh, during their spawn, which which you can still get them to bite and pretty easy too, and and we spent their spawn up in Mendota, so I was pretty happy about that. Well, after Mendota, it's just not the same though. So actually, it is. <laughs> you know, Lyle had asked me that question, and 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 my answer to him was um, the the first time I went out, I got onto a bunch of channels, and yeah, you know, a seven eight pound channel cat isn't ex- as exciting as you know a sixteen seventeen twenty pound plus, obviously, but you know, you you you. you there's those nuances that you kind of got to pick and choose. I mean, it's the same reason why, you know, I chase crappie, not just to eat. I think it's a fun game of chess or, yes. or panfish. It's kind of getting in touch with my roots and, and channel cats definitely has its own, uh, um, own thing about it. And, uh, if you can step back and, and look at what you're doing and, and, and what you're experiencing, I think you can find, uh, uh, appreciation for them as well. Right. And I, you know, I joke about Mendota, but it is true. You know, half time, if you ain't catching something, you can at least try to get on some channel cats and have a fun day. Exactly. Tearing into a mess of channel cats is always fun. It is. And you know what I had for dinner last night? Channel cat. And crappie. <laughs> it was very tasty. I had it for breakfast too. Nothing like, like cold fried fish out of the fridge for breakfast. It's oh, a, yeah. near, near and dear to my heart. Love it. So let's get that. Let's get, let's start talking about the topic at hand here. Dragon catfish baits. When did, how'd you get started dragging baits for catfish? Um, about a year and a half, two years ago. It's been coming up on two years. Um, I just bought this boat and I entered this tournament called the Rising Sun Tournament. All right. 
huge tournament, about a, almost close to 200 boats that year. I think last year was actually over 200 boats. And me and a buddy. Well, let's stop. Let's stop here real quick. Okay. So you had a new boat. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the first boat that you started fishing out of a boat in, correct? Yeah. I mean, that was mine. Yes. That I mean, was I yours. Fished, okay. You know, yeah. Fair enough. Handful of times in other people's boats, right? Well, it's a different experience fishing with somebody else in their boat who's done it and doing it yourself. I can attest to that. Oh, absolutely. And it was so different, especially, you know, not knowing what I was getting into. I heard fishing tournament. We were like, hey, that kind of sounds fun. Note, note, never get in the biggest tournament in the area. I mean, for hours away, there was no other tournament this big until you get down towards like Owensboro and, and uh, Mississippi and stuff like that, or down in Tennessee. Huge tournament. Um, pulled up. I didn't even have real rod, like any real rod holders on here. I had a couple that I had bought from Bass Pro Shop. Just the, I mean, the, you know, kind of like the, they're almost like the kayak ones those guys use, mm-hmm. but nowhere near as nice. Like rod goes down and so does the, uh, they, like the poly, like the polymer slash plastic type yes, ones, those, okay. right? So, I, I, I we pull up the first day of this tournament. You know, every they just the boats just line line the uh, the river bank and all that kind of stuff, and uh, pull up next to this this boat and didn't have my rod rack, didn't have my monster rod holders, didn't have most of this gear that I am fishing with now. Um, and the guy the guy looks over and they're sitting there and they're getting their poles ready. He looks at everybody. He's like, you doing a bass tournament? Man. <laughs> My heart sunk a little bit. I was like, I'm sitting there like, is this guy serious? <laughs> so we get, we go out and fish. It's a two day tournament. And, uh, all we did, all we could do was to anchor up and that kind of stuff. We didn't know anything about all these other methods of fishing. So we anchored up and I think, the first day we weighed in two channel cats, like four and a half pounds is all we weighed in the first day of the tournament. The second day we missed the, the, the check-in and got disqualified. But the nice thing about it was where we stayed was we were right next to tons of other fishermen, right? They were fishing this, they were seasoned. They've been doing this a while. And I ran into and met my now pretty good friend, Mark Blavel who I'm sure at the time was like, what are these dudes doing? They need help. So we, he's talking to us, giving us some tips. Um, and we exchanged numbers. He's like, look, he's like, let me show you how to fish. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm a man. I'm like, oh, I already know how to fish. I, I put some bait on the hook and I throw it out, right? Well, I met up with him and learned – how to drag baits. He took me, taking me out. He learned, showed me how to vertical drift and all that kind of stuff. But I was so mesmerized by dragging baits. Absolutely love it. It has turned out to be my, my most favorite method to fish. So, you know, talking with him, he's given me different pointers, showed me different stuff, taking me out several times. I fished tournaments with him. Um, and every time I go out with him, I learned a little bit more about it. Uh, so it, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, getting to, meet people like him who had showed me, you know, it's, it, there's more to it than just throwing out a line and, you know, figuring out if they're going to bite or not hours later. It's moving. It, it's reading your river, reading your, the bottom. There's different structures and everything down there to do. It's, it's, it's really fascinating what you can learn when you really want to dig into different ways of fishing and what, what they bring to the table. Right. So, Cool. So that's how you met Mark, huh? That is how I met Mark. He felt sorry for me. Is that what I was going to just say? I was going <laughs> to say, you know, I've come across a few guys like that too at a time. I, uh, one of my earlier, uh, crappie fishing adventures was, uh, this Eastern European guy kind of saw me struggling and, and he kind of stepped up, gave me a few jigs, showed me kind of what to do and some pointers. And, and I, that's kind of the same story you're going through. So, you know, I, I, I bring that up just so you know everybody out there in chat if you and, and listen to the podcast if you come across somebody like that help them out man they'll, they'll remember you forever 
So I even remember this guy's name. This guy's name's Arthur. I still see him out on the bank every now and then. I'll offer him to get let him get in the boat, and he won't go. He's like, no, I'm fine right here. You know, he's got a bu- yeah. bucket full of crappie ready to go. Usually a walleye or two in there. He does pretty good. But, yeah, he's a good guy. So uh, I still see him from time to time. That's a good thing. Weekend Angler says, I know Chad likes to drag baits, but I've I've heard a rumor he has a very nice anchor at his disposal. Is it true? It, it is very true. Uh, while we were in Mendota, I was I was gifted a brand-new breakaway anchor that the Weekend Angler done a – uh, build for me. We're putting it out on this channel. Um, I inspired him so much. Yeah, I was going to grab this, but here we go. Here, I actually have it right here. Anyway, everybody in chat run down grass carp. Grass carp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made me this nice, nice breakaway anchor, and I don't know if I can get it in there, but very nice anchor. It does say the chat on it. It's got an angry face right there in the middle of it. I have used this a few times already, so some some days the the water just don't cooperate, and all I think you can do is anchor up. So we we got a couple people that came in the chat. I see two old vets. That's always a great to see two old vets out there. What's going on, my friend? Catfish Weekly, how you doing, Lyle? Thanks for sending everybody over after the great Catfish Weekly show. Uh, That was a great show today. Uh, Bottom feeders hooked up. That's a new one. Welcome to the channel. Uh, uh, Vanessa Kitty, what's going on? Brad Cadell, what's going on, Brad? If you guys need sinkers, uh, message him. Uh, bottom feeders hooked up. I think hopefully I didn't miss anybody else. If I do, I will. Oh, I see Micah. Hey, what's going on, Micah? How are you? Uh, I believe Micah, that's my next door neighbor. What's going on, bud? Uh, very cool. So what was the first time? Well, yeah, let's finish the story about uh, um, the, the two-day tournament with 200 boats for your first time out fishing a tournament. Yeah. You, you said you weighed in two pounds of channel cats the first day, or was that total? Four pounds. That, that, the very first day we weighed in, it was two channel cats. I think it was, I want to say 4.4 pounds was our, was our uh, uh, official weigh-in on the first day. Uh, second day was, like I said, it was so foggy. Um and being a new boater, and I even followed, actually followed Mark. Um, we launched and went down river to the check-in, and I was following Mark, and we actually ended up losing him um, halfway down through there and got lost. It was so foggy, you couldn't see um, really two feet from any side of the boat. So once we stopped, you know, he got about 20, 30, 40 yards ahead of us, and that following his lights, they were gone. Uh, we ended up, I ended up beaching the boat up on a log and it took us a little while to get it off there. By the time we got there, they, uh, disqualified us because we weren't there in time to check in. So we didn't even get the fish for the tournament on the second day. Okay. I got some more people here. Mr. Chavez. Sorry, I missed you, buddy. I would never forget you. I just didn't see you. Mr. Gadget fishing, fishing with squirrel catfish heroes. What's going on, Sean? Sean's been, uh, out fishing with Epic. Hooks and hammocks, surf fins, catfishing. All right. Oh, Tim Molina. I said hello to Tim, but I can't say hello to him enough. All right. So uh, you lost him. And, and, and where did you place that first tournament? Um, Pretty much. I mean, it was probably like 170th. I don't know. Something like that. It was down here. There was people that didn't, didn't weigh in at all the whole tournament. But so it was something to be proud of, you know, to, at least Absolutely. I guess to be on the board. Right. So. I have learned that you always weigh in, whether you have one fish or nothing. You always weigh in at a tournament. So, how many how many tournaments uh, have you done since? Oh, I'm probably in the last year and a half since that one. I'm probably pushing in the twenty, you know, up around twenty range. I do a lot of local club tournaments and stuff like that. Um, I I, I refished the Rising Sun last year, um, and then I've done a couple of the stuff like. Patriots tournament stuff like that. So, I mean, I would say probably around twenty, right around twenty. Very cool. So, I think you're uh, hooked, right? Yeah, they're fun. They're it, you know, it brings out the competitive nature in you. Uh, you just got to be careful not to not let it get you know too much competitive. You got to make uh, sure you're having fun. Yep, you got you always have to have fun while doing it. So, uh, the first time you actually was in the boat with Mark, uh, how did how did that go? <clears throat> well, let's see. 
he didn't yell at me too much. I, I don't think I backlashed any of his rods, and I think I only broke off one or two of his uh, his his gear. So it went pretty good, but we did catch a fish that day. I think it was me, him, and my buddy uh, Ed, and you know we, we caught. I'd say on close to 15 channel cats. It was a channel cat lake, big channel cats. Um, but we had a good day. And like I said, you know, he was more going over the technique. And it was amazing to, to be out with somebody like that. It says, well, we're going to catch one or two here. But when we hit that point, get ready. And sure enough, I mean, it was like, he, you know, because he lives for that, right? He, he, he studies different times of the year. And that's his practice lake. He's like, I know when we're going to hit them. He's like, and then once we get here, we won't catch any more fish. We'll turn it back around. And just sure enough, that's the way it was, right? So pretty pretty amazing to have somebody with that knowledge that is willing to give you anything you want to teach you. So That's cool. That's somebody who just pretty much loves what they're doing, loves the sport, and, and yep. wants to see everybody, you know, love it just as much. I mean, look, we got we got 62 people in chat that probably love the sport just as much as, as we do, Chad. Oh, absolutely do. Very cool. So, uh, all right, let's get on to uh, you telling us how to drag bait. So, uh, like I was saying, I, I, I hope to get out on the fox during the spawn and, and drag some baits. For, uh, probably I got a good 10-mile stretch I want to try, maybe two passes, maybe one pass, and, and see how it happens. Uh, I figure it'll be a good way to uh, um, kind of keep in, keep my – get an idea of rather than going from spot to spot of, of what the bottom of the river looks like at a grander yep. scale uh, while fishing at the same time. So that's kind of my whole idea behind it. And plus it doesn't hurt to catch fish. I will apologize again for the, all the noise around here, Mark. I am outside. <laughs> Actually, it's not bad. And on my end, it isn't bad. It, and for those of you listening on the podcast at, at home or in the car or cutting lawn, how I always say, whatever you're doing around on the bank fishing, uh, Chad is standing outside in his boat. So if you guys hear his neighbors or, the dogs and all of that stuff, you you know what's going on. I appreciate him taking the time to get all set up and doing all of that stuff. So yeah. thanks, well, bud. I, I figured this visual would be a little bit better than just going through the talk of it so maybe people can visualize some stuff, mm -hmm. too. Okay, so let's talk about the gear. What kind of gear would one need to get started in dragon boots for catfish? First and foremost, I would say a good trolling motor. Um, when I bought mine, I didn't know what I needed. I thought for this small of a boat, this one would be great. But when you fished current, and don't laugh, Mr. Lyle, because I know you don't call what anything what we have current. Um, but the power drive 12 volt, it really honestly isn't enough unless it's dead of summer or I'm fishing a lake, right? Um, make sure you have enough power to do what you need to do. Um, besides that, you know, fish finder unit is not necessarily a must-have but it's good to have so you can see what your what your depths are i use it more, more for that than i do anything even marking fish that's not what i'm typically looking for when i'm dragging baits do i like to see fish down there absolutely but seeing them doesn't mean that's all the fish that you're going to see they're going to mm -hmm. be up on that structure hiding they're going to be down in the mud you're not going to see every fish um, i went out for a few hours on sunday the only i've marked tons of fish the only fish that I actually caught was a little bitty channel cat that was just coaxed in mud. So more than likely, I wouldn't have seen that little fellow on the, the depth finder. But being able to see legends, being able to see debris on the side scans and stuff like that, that's helpful. Uh, besides that, uh, obviously rod holders and some kind of rod, you know, rod rack. There's mm -hmm. tons of different kinds out there. This one's homemade. I made it out of well, a ladder let's, rack. Let's talk about boat. the rod rack a little bit because I do have rod <laughs> rack envy. I really kind of like it. Um, uh, Chad had built that himself, correct, Chad? I did. I did. Um, a buddy of mine had a set of set of ladder racks off of his truck. He's, he's a roofer. Um, he had it stuck in his backyard, gave it to me. I basically cut them in half, uh, cut a couple um, L brackets out of uh, steel, and mounted them to my Versa track on my boat, and then just put my rod holders down right on top of them with the with the mounts. I, and and I've simple. seen it in person. 
I've seen it in person, people. I mean, for, it, it is homemade, but it's as good, if not better, than a lot of the rod racks I've seen out there. It was really, really a cool idea on on Chad's uh, behalf to put that together, and 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 I do have some rod rack envy. Uh, well, real it's... quick, I want to say hello to TC Too Cool. He says uh, that uh, he says hello, Mark. I believe he's saying new to the show. Uh, he's on podcast eight on spotify and he's catching up thanks for checking it out it's always it's always good to know there's people listening and and on on the other end of the spectrum so welcome i appreciate it but yeah mark i mean the two things that i like about this is it's all aluminum except for the l brackets that i used for the versatrack so Mm -hmm. they're not it's not super heavy in the back end um but it is strong as can be i mean it's I can put all my weight. I could probably hang off this thing and it wouldn't bend. And that's saying something, you know, how big of a guy, I, you know, um, but I ended up, I ran a light. Well, I should say me and my brother ran electric and stuff through the channels of it and everything. That's the other thing I liked about it. It's not solid. I got channels mm-hmm. that I ran electric through it. So I have lights and stuff hanging off of them. So it's pretty cool. I like it. I got standard. I got six across the back. So. Yeah, I liked it so much. I've been checking out Craigslist and Facebook uh, Marketplace looking for used ladder racks. <laughs> I can't find <laughs> it. So. Did it, it. It works, you know. Uh, the only pain in the rear end thing about it versus something like the multi-bars, which I've thought about getting, is, you know, the multi-bars don't have all the center room. So if you have, you know, a Mendota, my motor prop got full of weeds and stuff like that, and I had to climb back back there and get it all done so you either had to climb over under or around to get through mm-hmm. it right so that's the only downfall i would say to the rack that's like anything i mean um there's always a trade-off so yep. if you can live with it and and it benefits your fishing you know a lot of times they stay at least in my i've got, got a lot of fish off of it i'm happy that's all that counts that's all that counts and you just mounted your uh uh, rod holders right to the top, or did you have to get bases? How'd you do that? I, no, I, I went ahead and got the bases just because with a ladder rack, I mean, if it was square tubing, like a square tube aluminum or something like that, you can you could just go with, uh, you know, hole down through them and bolt them through. Mm-hmm. With this, there's weird-looking channels that go through it, right. so it doesn't screw down, you know, right through. So you wouldn't get a a good um a good base to it a good a good base to it underneath yeah. it so yeah i went with sense. the base yeah, i've installed a few of those on buddy's cars and stuff for the kayaks and stuff and yeah they're it, that channel yeah. is kind of strange so they can use all their different proprietary yeah. stuff and and one's different from the other so uh you really did a good job on that and you got those okay so you got the rod um told you i got rod rack envy here um so you got your rod holders uh um and you see you got six of them mounted up on there uh, yeah, mounted on the rod rack, I have six, and then I have rod holders that go down each side for, like I told you before, I, I do a lot of suspend drifting as well uh, mm-hmm. when the current's a little bit heavier. So um, if I can't drag, that's what I'm, what I'm doing there. But, yeah, I, I have them pretty much around the boat. But six on here because uh, most of the tournaments that I fish, it's a six-rod limit. I probably could have put two more on there, but I don't need it. So okay. this is you know, this is my normal setup from when I'm fishing. Hey, it works. So that's good. So what kind of rods do you like to run? Not necessarily the brands, but like the weights, the lengths, all that um, stuff. For dragging baits, I like a seven and a half foot medium. Or I mean, I'm a medium heavy. Um, it gives a little bit of that flex on the tip that where when you are dragging them baits, it actually typically will help pull stuff, you know, pop it over mm-hmm. versus going with a, a heavier, even a medium that has just too much uh, bend in it. I mean, you have seem to have a, the, just about the right tip on most of them. Obviously, every rod's different, but the ones I've came across are they're they're about perfect, like uh, me. Kevin over at Palmetto Cats wants to know: uh, Is Chad gonna keep the same style setup on his new boat, or will he be reinventing the way he does things? Um, I've been thinking on that. My original thought was multibar. Um, but looking at the boat, the way it's set up, I really don't have um, even the room for the bases on it. So I have a few other ideas that 
won't be exactly what I've got here um, because I also want, you know, thinking of what we just talked about, right? Whenever I have something I need to do around the engine or something like that, which hopefully mm-hmm. not, you know, is not too often, but like I said, it's a pain to have to move all this stuff, climb over, under, around, all that kind of stuff. So I'm actually have something in mind uh, with a with a bar rod rack that will be kind of you know when you look at multi bar you went right you can adjust them and move them. I'm thinking about something similar to that uh, once I get it going. So it'll get probably is- a bar across the back of it. Okay, I know. Doesn't Dieter run uh, um, rocket launchers in his? I don't know. I think I could be mistaken. Is that how he's catching all the fish? I thought it was chicken. I didn't know he was using rocket launchers to catch them all. <laughs> yeah, chicken might have something to do with it. But we, we won't. We're not going to go there. We're not <laughs> doing the chicken talk tonight. We do enough of that talk. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll let me know what you're, you're doing once you have it figured out. And that, that boat's yeah, like thing, I said, so. I, I'm, I'm still, I've got some thoughts in my head of what I want to do. It's mm-hmm. just figuring out, it, you know, what's the best best method to, to do so i love the, those multi-type bars i do too but if they don't set right especially on that type of boat you know what's the point right it's it's gonna be waste my money and i mean i could always put them on here i could always buy them and not tell d and be like i'm gonna buy them for this and, oh darn they don't work so i might have put them on this hey, right? if so, she gets mad at you when you buy them you can always just send them on over here i'll be happy to put you, them to you so that woman that woman it says bye. Yeah, we work hard for what we do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, sorry about the interruption, but I need a few seconds of your time. As individual content creators, we can use all the support we can get. Your support is used for better equipment, a further reach, and everything else needed to create this podcast. Your support makes for a better audio experience, helps to grow the show, and get more guests. If you like the podcast, become a supporter today by using the link in the description. Thanks for your time and support. Now back to the show. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the basic is seven and a half foot medium heavy is what I like to drag with. Um, mm-hmm. I like a 7,000 reel. I do have some 6,500 um, just because that's the, I've started getting into them a little bit more because of the line counters. Okay. Um, especially and the for capacity my, too, right? Line capacity has a lot to do yeah. with it. Yeah, line capacity on the 7,000s is more why I like to go with the 7,000s. Mm-hmm. Not that the 6,500s, I use 30-pound tests, so um, I always thought, you know, I had to go 40, 50, whatever. I found the 30-pound Andy Monster is just phenomenal line and does everything I need. Um, that was not your tablet, Keith. Y'all got me in trouble now. Mr. Gadget Fishing wants to know what kind of jello you use on your chicken, Chad. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> here's a blooper award when I get beat to death here in a minute. Um, ch- the Chad is primarily a live cut bait type fella. Have I used chicken? Yes, I have. Do I use it very often? No, I don't. Uh, but if I was going to use it, strawberry. Or cherry, whatever it is. I have never used chicken breast. I've used chicken liver. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Everybody's doing it. Maybe, maybe I'll do a, a a video of shame one of these days. So keep your eyes uh, peeled uh, to my channel if you see me do it. So uh, it should be interesting. <laughs> You'll see a bony mark. Times call for desperate measures. <laughs> hey, you know, during spawn, it might be something to keep me occupied. Self-loathing <laughs> video, right? Right. There you go. <laughs> All right, okay. so you're running, and you were saying you're running Andy's thirty pounds. So I'm guessing that's mono, correct? Yes. I imagine yeah. a stretch helps too. And, and what kind of it depths does, are yeah. you are you dragging baits through? Um, it depends, Mark. So, I mean, there's days that I'm up in the shallows. Obviously, you know, up at uh, Mendota, but 
on a river though, you know, ten, ten to fifteen feet is probably about as shallow as I go. I might put one way up there, but typically it's going to be uh, deeper. My starting point is typically um, thirty to thirty-five foot, and the way I run my boards is going to tell me if I need to adjust, right? Um, so I, I typically have better luck around that 30, 35 foot mark, mm -hmm. but sometimes they're up in the shallows and that's okay. where you got to go. Um, the deepest that I've probably dragged baits is 45 to 50 feet. And we have some 60, 70 foot holes in the Ohio, but I, I've just never had any luck out there. I'm, you know, there's not a lot of drop offs or ledges or anything like that on them. So I really don't fish them all that much. I'm normally fishing that 35 foot because that's typically a where the ledges are starting to fall. So. And, and how far back are you usually dragging baits behind All the right. boat? So we're going to kind of go start going through. I, I want to go through how I release the rods first. Okay. And I'll tell you okay. that because it's because it's going to vary. So my first two rods that I'm going to put out are going to be these two center rods. These are my long lines. Okay. And that's actually why I went to the line counter. If you don't have a line counter, I would tell you to go around half a pool. Lyle says, stop talking to chicken crap. <laughs> Sorry, Lyle. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> so my very first two are going to be, like I said, the center, center ones are going to be my long rods. Um, if you don't have line counters, which I've just now gotten them, so I've never had them, um, I would say let out half your spool. And maybe even more, right? Um, you want those two lines to be very, very, very far back there. Um, with the line counters that I, that I have now, I stagger them where I'll have one, say around 200 feet and I might have another one, 225 or 240, something like that. Right. So they're, they're, they're a little bit staggered, but they're way back there. The next two that I'm that I, that I will, will, uh, deploy out will be the next ones out. These are going to be my outside rods or my play outside planer board so it's kind of it's kind of backwards you would think inside planer board outside planer board but it's not your outside rod is going to be your inside planer board okay that makes sense and i'll it tell you what you how far out you have it right exactly so what i'm going to do after i've got these going and sometimes what i what, or what i'll do actually all the time i'll get these two going and then I'll start deploying this one. I'll let, I'll pass this one out and I'll sit there and I'll let it, let it fall away to the bottom. I always hold it to where I know it hits the bottom. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to let it get tight. I'm going to give it two, three, four pulls, let the let line out. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's starting to get back there probably about, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet behind it before I clip a planer board on it. Okay. Uh, and then once I let that, go back. I'm going to let the planer board go back. Stop. I'm going to do the same thing on this side, my outside planer board. I'll stop this one, stop that one, and then I'll do my inside planer boards. Um, I do need to backtrack a little bit because I forgot to say one of the most important things before you start dragging baits is to get your boat lined up. Right? You don't want to start throwing rods out if your boat's not moving. You want to get, you know, like, you know if you're in a lake, if there's wind, go towards the wind, right? Nose to the wind. Um, in a river, most of the time you're going to be dragging upstream unless it's dead of summer where the, the current is sometimes so dead in the Ohio pools. You mm -hmm. can actually drag downstream and be perfectly fine because there's no, there's like zero current at sometimes. It's like a lake out there. Uh, but 90 times, 90% of the time, I'm dragging upstream. It helps pull those boards out. Um, you know, get that. What's that? Uh, there's a fancy word. You probably know what it is. Um, Drift sock? No, nah, that's not a fancy word, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but drift socks are helpful. Um, if your boat, your, your, your butt, you know, the butt of your boat's going all over the place. Okay. It helps stabilize your boat. But what I always do is I, I get my trolling motor going in the direction that I want. Um, like I said, depending on the year, time of the year, most of the time I'll start it out about 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5. That way I know it's going where I want it to go while I'm getting the the boards and the lines all out. And then I can adjust the speed 
depending on what the fish are telling me. Um, but like I said, middle one, then, then my, my inner one's going to be my outside board. And then my inside board on the outside, on the very outside of the, the rack here. Um, typically when I'm deploying the boards, um, a lot of people, and I, I, it depends on what I'm looking for. A lot of people will keep a nice tight grouping where they might have the inside board five, five feet or so, maybe 10 tops outside of the boat. Um, mm-hmm. And then their next board, five to 10 feet, depending on, you know, you want equal spacings with it. So or to try to get around uh, equal spacings. So around five feet, five feet or 10 feet, 10 feet. Now there's times where I might have my outside boards 30 feet outside the boat, but it's no- normally when I'm not sure what they're doing. Um, and I'm searching for them to see, are they up in the shallows? You know, if I'm, if I'm at 35 feet, and I put that board 30 feet out, I might be at 20, 25 feet over here. And I might have this one over here at 45 feet. So right? you're pretty much just kind of ser- you're, you're searching for them where, where um, if you, if you're targeting them, you know where they're at, you want to concentrate yeah. your baits in one area. So yeah, if, if I know, the thir- if, if I know most of them are in that 30 to 35 foot range, yeah, I want to tight, nice tight grouping, but mm-hmm. there are certain times of the year where you're like, I can't figure out where these daggone fish are. And all of a sudden you move your, you move your boards out. And all of a sudden this board over here just keeps getting hit. What does that tell you? I need to move more to the channel, right? I need to go deeper. And once you find the grouping, then you can move, then you can move those boards back in and be, you know, that five to 10 feet on each side, on each side, right? Or five yards, something like that. Tim Molina has a question. He says, honest yep. question. Does it depend on the fish or the current? So, an, yeah, go ahead. On probably either the spread or the direction you're, you're, you're dragging baits. So I would say it depends on the time of year, like early spring, you're, you're going to, you're not going to really drag too much unless you have, uh, you know, a uh, hundred and, 12 pound thrust and some really good dragon weights to keep you down there. Right. Um, this time of year we've had, uh, I think it was about a mile and a half, 1.8 current. Um, they, they could be anywhere. They're, those fish are not going to be scared of that kind of current. They swim it every day, but it, if they do go down into the mud, they're probably about, you know, behind some structure and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it does get to where they want to hide and they rest, right, because some of that current pushing on them, that's what that's what makes the difference of trying to figure out where they are. And you know, you're using your side scan and you're trying to locate these fish. Is I might have some structure over here that they're hiding behind, but if I don't have the boards out there finding it, uh, like say you know, a lot of people don't have side scans. Um, so how do you find how do you find those fish with a boat, right? Um. On the, on mine, I have it. I could probably, you know, tone it in a little bit faster than without it. But if I didn't, I'm going to, I'm going to put those boards to try to locate those fish. Once I find them, I'm going to move that boat over to that more of that depth and start bringing, bringing it, uh, the boards back in a little bit. Uh, Betty says, Chad, do you ever suspend fish with boards? Suspend? with boards yep i have never heard of that now i've uh, we- seen chris souders do that a couple of times on his show so that looked pretty interesting and we'll get to suspend fish oh, okay after. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying but no i have not okay see something we could all learn so we got the spread figured out whether it's narrow or wide and your reasoning for that. Uh, how to yep. use your side, side scan, all of that stuff. Let's get to the business end. I see you got some weights in your hand. Can you describe how, uh, what those are and how they work and, and so on? Yes, sir. So remember, we're on a podcast here, so you need to be descriptive. Chad. I will be very descriptive. So when you come, when it comes to dr- uh, drifting weights, there's a ton of different brands out there. Um, a, lo- a lot of people even use the, just the solid pencil stinkers. If you know what I'm talking about, the mm-hmm. solid pencil, Absolutely. solid yeah. lead. Um, there's one called, like this one here is called a structure snake. It's, I don't even know what's in it. It's not lead. It might have some BBs or something in it. 
this is one of the ones I started out using that Mark kind of showed me about. Um, started using these. They work pretty well. I never had too many problems with them. I, you know, you do, you're going to get snags with anything. Um, they make these. Here's a couple different brands. Uh, one is made by Junior Proctor. I got these from him. Um, they're like the paracord type. Okay. Uh, drifting weights. So how long they, are those? Those are, those look from here, what, like 12 inches? Yeah, this inches? one here is about 12 inches. Um, there's no foam up at the top. It's kind of like beads all the way down through it. Okay. You have um, just a snap swivel on the top here or a swivel okay. on the top that goes on. And then you have um, what's Jimmy, Jimmy Smith's brand. I forgot Santa the name Cooper of it now. Drifters, Fanty Cooper. Believe, right? Yeah, Fanty yep. Cooper Drifters. Um, kind of the same material, uh, BBs all the way through it. And then they have the breakaway here if you get snagged up and stuff like that. If you pull just hard enough, um, they'll pop off and you keep your rig. Uh, ones that I've started getting into through Chubby Fist are these Cat Dragger. Um, yeah, real, they're real them up. They're Cat Dragger fingers. Mm -hmm. And they have the lead all the way down through here. And then at this the bottom, is all right? hollow, uh, hollow at the top. Okay. So it kind of helps them stand up a little Keeps bit more. Keeps them upright. Okay. Yeah. And all of them are about the same length. Obviously, the structure snakes, depending on what weight you get, mm -hmm. depends on the length of them. Um, okay. There's very long ones. The other thing with these is figuring out your the weight you need, right? Uh, lakes and um, low, very low current. These, these are ounce and a half that I'm using that uh, Junior Proctor makes. All the way up to three and four, five ounce, went with a little bit heavier current, right? And speed um, has a lot to do with it too, correct? Because Tim Molina wants to know what speed you're dragging at, so I figure I'd speed get both of those does, but it, it 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 depends on your current, right? If you only have an ounce and a half, if everybody goes back and watches he's uh, fishing and stuff, the um, one that he did where he kind of went through the peg floats versus the demon dragons, the weights that it takes to hold those down. Right. It really mm -hmm. kind of clicked that, Hey, if I've got a mile an hour current and I've got a peg float, a foam peg float that takes and holds almost an ounce of weight up plus my bait. And then my speed, if I'm pulling 0.5, that has a chance of actually pulling my baits up off the bottom. Right. So I want a three ounce or a four ounce weight holding my, my base down on the bottom. Um, so you gotta want to think about that. If you're just pulling creeks or pulling lakes, um, stuff like that, ounce and a half, two ounces is more than enough. Okay. If you're pulling in a little bit, you know, heavier current, you may want to go two and a half, three ounces, um, of weight. So, uh, yeah, more, most of the time when I'm dragging bait, I'm still learning. You know, I told you guys, I, I will not claim to be an expert mm -hmm. at this. I have learned a lot in the last year and a half. Um, colder water is, you know, I, I'm typically that 0 0.2, 0 0.3. I'm just barely chugging along. Um, warmer water, 0 0.4 to 0 0.5, 0 0.6, you know. But, you know, the more you hear and the more you talk to people, the more you learn, the more you, and the more you try to try new things is, you know, catfish are fast. They, they might be big and ugly like me, but they're a lot faster. They're, they're, they're chasing down fish like skipjack and bass and other fish that really swim very fast, right? So when they are chasing baits, and that's another thing when we're talking about figuring out what they want and what they're doing, where they're doing, is also figuring out their speed. That you know they might they might want to be chasing down a fish, so they might want to chase down your your bait. So Doing 0. 0.7 to 1 might be a good thing, or you might jump it up to uh, that for a little bit and then bring it back down and vice versa and just figuring out where they want. My, I normally, like I said, 0. 0.4 to 0. 0.5 summertime, I'm I'm really doing that 0. 0.5 okay. most of the time. Yeah, and then so. Fishing Chick asks, the Colorado River runs about 8 miles an hour. How many ounces would that be? I think Lyle um, would be a little better at answering those kind of questions. 12 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, drifting with one or two, one and big donkey weights, like I, I've heard them called, would be your best bet. I, I don't know yeah. how uh, 
the Colorado River looks, but the parts I've seen looks more akin to, to trout than catfish, but I could probably be missed. I am yeah, probably you know, mistaken. So. You're right. And you talk to Lyle in places like the Missouri River where it's running like that. Uh, the Mississippi has you know a lot heavier current. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna need baits, or you're gonna be floating your baits on top of the water. You're or you're gonna need decent sized sinkers if you're gonna try something like that. But that's not to say that it can't be done. If you have a power of one of the others, people have you know big trolling motors, and a lot of people use their kicker motors. Yeah, uh, kicker motors, with, right? So they'll use their main motors Mississippi. too if they can afford the fuel bill. But yeah. And the hours on the motor. All right, so we got the weights figured out. Now, those weights, they're hooked up to, if I'm not mistaken, or correct me if I'm wrong, uh, your standard Santee Cooper rig, correct? Yes, sir. Let me grab one. Yeah. Hopefully you can see this one. So what I, the way I run mine is a sinker slide above above my on my main line, right? Okay. Um. Thank you to Mr. Muskrat for telling me about these, but these quick clips, I absolutely love. I, you know, I make these pre-made re- uh, leaders uh, for, you know, if I'm bored or anything like that, and I'll sit down and make up a couple dozen before I go fishing, and then I have them ready to go when I want to to go fishing. Uh, same thing with my Kentucky rigs, my double hook rigs, stuff like that. I have them all in the plastic baggies individually. And I'm ready to go. Um, I set these up, my leaders up a couple different ways. Um, I use peg floats and I use the like demon dragon type floats, different kind of spooks and stuff like that. Um, different sizes. I know we've talked about uh, in some chats and stuff before, um, you know, if I want it on the bottom or something like that, you know, I'll use just a, no, not snail with the float all the way to my, my swivel here. And I just clip these on. Click them right I on. use, I use peg floats with the Versa rattles. That's another good option. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do, you can do it without, right? The thing that's nice about the different floats is they will help keep your, your bait up off the bottom. Um, you got to make sure you got a big enough float to keep your bait off the bottom too. I know a lot of people make that mistake, at least when they're anchored up, they'll you put do. a big old bait on there and the, the demon dragon or the float isn't big yeah. enough and buoyant enough to uh, hold their bait that, up. Like they're that is very with. true. But you got to remember too, Mark, that you have current that's helping current. with that, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're pulling it, you know, this is help just helping keep the bait up a little bit. Now, one thing I've been playing around with is, you know, people talk about, well, what if they're laying on the bottom and they, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, um, you know, sometimes I'll have this, the hook right up by my, up by my sinker, right? I notice they're more in the, you know, they're not biting in the, they're in the mud. If I move this up when, where this is going, that just bring that's my bait, my bait come back down, right? Comes back down. So even if I've got a big old float that's, you know, one of the styrofoam ones or whatever, the closer I move this to the swivel and away from the hook, this bait falls back down a little bit, right? Gotcha. Versus, right? So if I move it back to the hook, it's going to go back up a little bit more or flat, depending mm-hmm. on the size of the float that you use. Now, this is a smaller one, um, but I have other ones that maybe an inch bigger and they might hold another quarter ounce, right? And and be able to lift up a little bit more. And it also, like you just said, depends on what the size of the bait that I'm using. If I'm using, you know, little bitty chunks, it doesn't take a whole lot of weight to keep it no. or a float to keep it up. But if I'm throwing a big old skipjack head or a big old shad head or even maybe a whole half a body or something like that, more than likely I'm going to need a big uh, thing to keep it up off the, up off of the uh, bottom of the floor. So basically, you 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 want your line in a V at the bottom, and with the with your weight being the actual uh, where yeah. it meets, right? That's the basic idea, and then you can tweak that from there on whether or not you want to adjust it past right. the flow to how close or how far above the line you want it. So, and, it, and what I would what I would suggest doing is when you when you have a couple of baits out, is put a put one a couple inches away from the hook, another one a couple more inches. 
until you figure out where the if those fish are active, they're going to come up and eat. If they're going to be laying there, you might have to smack them in the head with the bait, which you're going to want to move that away, right? Yeah, like Sean at Catfish Heroes is saying, which is basically what you're explaining, is you want to cover water. Absolutely. Right? Cover water and cover cover the um the water column. Um yep. and, and 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 once you find a fish, you should pretty much dial it in there, right? Am I mistaken? Exactly. That that's 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 my method of, of, of doing it. Cool. Like I said, there's a lot of people that have been doing it a lot more years than I am that might have a little bit better, you know, quicker way of dialing it in. Mm-hmm. But for me, if I'm gonna find out, you know, like I said earlier. If I know that they're, if I start getting blue caps hitting on my my right side, right, and over here I'm getting hit cha- hit by channel cats, I'm going to get away from the channel cats and go after the blues. I'm going to move deeper, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's vice versa, right? Uh, those blues and stuff will be up on the flatsies and or you know stuff like that. Catfish and dreams. Brandon asks legit question: Do demon dragons cause a kink or a pinch point and weaken the line? Uh, threading them through all three eyes like you had. I don't think basically when when Chad showed the the demon dragon or his float, he would run the line through the front eye. It's actually a Zara spook. He ran it through the front eye, through the belly eye, and then out the back eye so he can slide it up and down. And Brandon's question is, does it cause a kink in the line? Does it make a kink? There might be a small, you know, you can see a little small kink here. Does it make a, that big of a difference? Not that I've noticed, and I've never had a blind break because of it. Um, a lot of people you'll find they'll they'll get like electrical tape or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and wrap it around so it doesn't slide up and down on its own. Um, but I've not had a leader line break, and maybe that's because I use pretty heavy leader line, but I've never had one break. Not because of that. And how often are you checking baits while you're dragging them? Do you, well, I guess my real question is, are, are you losing a lot of bait whenever you're getting through any brush or anything like that? Because um, if you don't have baits in the water, you're not going to catch fish, right? Uh, yeah. Um, depends on how lazy I am that day. Or if I'm tournament fishing, I might check it every half hour, 45 minutes, right? Because okay. like you're saying, I, you know, there's money on the line then, and I, I want to make sure that, I'm not missing something because they get knocked off. You, you know, fish come up, swipe them, knock it off. You hit structure and it sometimes just hits them right and knocks it off. And mm-hmm. then you really didn't, you think, you know, you had a bite that you missed or something and that wasn't the case. But either way, if you don't have baits on there, you know, it's That's not, no it's not going to be productive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm out leisure fishing, I might go an hour, hour and a half. Depends on, like I said, how tired I am or if I'm just out there just kind of relaxing and just wanting to be out there, you know, or if I don't don't have enough bait, you know, if I don't have much bait, I'm sure it's not going, you know, not going to waste all my bait that I have. So, so that's a pretty good explanation of dragging. Now what's the difference between dragging and drifting? So the difference between dragging the baits and drifting the baits is literally typical to me. And hopefully I'm not wrong is, you know, dragging baits or drifting baits is you're just drifting along with the current speed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, the wind, right? or the wind, using using that to your advantage. Um, that's what I did Sunday. I actually just suspend drifted down the river. And um, with that current, I just used my trolling motor to keep me at the speed that I wanted to. You know, we had a mile and a half current. And so keep I used your lines the, from getting all messed up. Now, are you dragging yeah. baits while you're drifting or is it always just no. suspending? No, normally when I'm doing that, I'm just going to spin the baits right off the bottom. I know you can. I just okay. I I, I am a snag master, and <laughs> it just gets me frustrated when I get into that kind of stuff. So I've learned to just do the spin drift with that. I, I may be uh, mistaken here, but I, I remember a time when you broke uh, your better half's pole snagged up. Didn't you do that? No, that is still to this day. We have no idea how that got broke. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. No, the one that I broke was one of mine. It was actually on the one versus one with me and Roger, where I had a massive branch of some sort that I just couldn't break it off. And it kept coming up and coming up until my rod broke. The other rod, like I said, I went fishing. It was fine when I put it, put it in here. When I got home, the tip was broke off. So, thank you for clearing that up for me, Chad. Because I thanks, was curious for, about that. 
thanks for reminding me. I'm hoping that D fell asleep in there um, <laughs> and didn't see this part. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, I think she's still uh, here. Real quick, last thing, real quick, Mark, on the dra- uh, dragging baits. Mm-hmm. Is get yourself a good uh, a set of good planer boards. Okay. There's tons of different ones out there. Uh, obviously, everybody knows our buddy Uncle Lou. I've been using these for several months now and love them. I have Junior Proctor boards, love them. Um, there's uh, bear planer boards and cat planer boards and original mm-hmm. planer boards. There's a lot of good planer boards out there. Um, you got to find one that you that that you like. I think you're in trouble, Chad. Oh crap! We need to get this show to keep going, buddy. <laughs> um, but you know, I got a set of, of Junior Proctor's planer boards. I used them yeah. a couple of times. I went out. I liked them a lot. Uh, I may need to pick up some for Uncle Lou's. I don't do enough of it for right now, so maybe in the near future I can do that. I am looking for a set of crappie planer boards. If anybody interested in in making some and having me test them out, you know, hint hint, you know how to get a hold of me. Uncle Uncle Lou, you know, just needs to be a little bit smaller, man. And we could use a bit. planer board. <laughs> I, I almost I almost ordered a set of uh, offshore ones today. I I, I probably should yeah, have done that. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, offshore is another set that um, that's that's out there. But um, you know, a lot of most of them would pretty much do the same thing. But you do need to figure out you know what kind of clips you want. SK says <laughs> not, not, cut him out. she's in his backyard. No, I'm in, I'm in my driveway right now. SK, I got off work and was like, yeah, I'm, I figured he might have created a monster when he goes in the house by answering a question he probably shouldn't have answered, but he might be in trouble when he gets in there. But other than that, he's in his driveway. Yeah. Chad was kind oh, enough to take the time to get I'm all getting, set up after a busy day of work today. So I really appreciate it. My friend. Now I'm getting nervous. I heard the door and here she comes. Uh Oh, um, but Two things that that are that are important on these is are well probably the most important besides obviously they float and you know they float to base you need is to get have good clips um, like these are the Scotty the Scotty clips. Um, what Betty was talking about earlier, if you were going to use um, them to suspend baits off of your boat, um, which I really like that idea. The more I'm thinking about it, they make other clips that actually have a little nipple on the inside here. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put it on the outside of, you know, of here, when that fish is going, you can pop, pop that line off and, and be good to go on the inside of the nipple of it. That, that will, will stay on your line until you get it to the tip of your pole. And then, you know, what Betty was talking about earlier is suspending those baits like that. Mm-hmm. You could, you could use plant right behind off of that like that. Out, out from the boat, um, and they not slide and all that kind of stuff. Too bad. Uh, <clears throat> the only thing I don't like about using those or these is when I'm hooked into a fish. And I've actually lost fish uh, by putting it behind there, um, by pulling too early when the fish is running with it, and then ha- when you actually do get it up here, you have to stop, pull your line up, unclip it. And then you, you kind of create a slack on your line. Yeah. You don't want that, right? So I like, especially I like these because you can pop them off very quickly in the water and they just shoot back to the hook, you know, where the fish is and you reel them in with the fish. Um, so I like the Scotty Mouth a little bit better than the other ones for the most part. For cool. most, of, most of my applications. So anything else you want to include or let the people out there chat know? No, I'd say, like I said, experiment. Um, you know, leader. You know, we've talked about leader length and stuff like that. People talk about shorter leaders in the winter time and longer ones in the summertime. I'm a whatever I make kind of guy, and I I, I adjust my peg floats um, accordingly on that, and figure out what's fitting. You know, because I can I can put the uh, bait. <laughs> Exactly where a twelve a twelve inch leader was would be with a twenty four, right? Tim Molina says you're on a roll. Ask him to explain bumping. Nope. <laughs> nope. We're gonna have a we'll, we'll do <laughs> wrong we'll guy. <laughs> I got a couple of real good ideas. Uh, yeah. One of them's in here right now. Good friend of mine. We'll see if we can't talk yeah. him into it. So that's absolutely wrong guy for that one. Um, still learning. I do have a bumping rod. Me and D got 
have not had the really chance to even try it. So I'm not one to sit here and lie to you and say I, I, I know anything really about it other than the basic philosophy of it. So. All right. And Paul Frick says he always puts the line behind. I always put the line behind the nipple. When you break off, uh, you don't have to chase down boards. That's probably a good. That's, that's fair. <laughs> that would be kind of a pain <laughs> to have to, to reel all that stuff up. So, um, so, uh, you got, what do you got going on this week on the bait shop Thursday nights on YouTube, uh, fishing with the Chad channel. That's fishing with the T H A Chad. For those of you listening on a podcast, check it out. Give them a subscription if you're not subscribed. Link in the description. What do you got going on this Thursday? You know, that is not fair to Dockery because he won't even know until about five minutes before the show, just like I won't. Um, <laughs> I have started reaching out to a couple of people. I'd like to start getting some more guests back again. It's been a while. Uh, just been so busy, man. It's It's kind of hard to reach out. And, and get it all set up. So sometimes it's just easier to go in and uh, make fun of you and Lyle and whoever else is in chat and stuff like that. But would like to get a few more people uh, back in there on the base shop as guests, but we'll see what's going on that. Cool. Betty says, uh, uh, this is catfish and crappie talking about the channel. You're going to have to drag for crappie this summer, Chad. It's fun too. Yeah. I trolled for him this weekend. I actually got a bunch of it on video. I had a blast and you know what? It really helped to locate the fish. I had a, such a hard time finding them or getting them to bite. Once I started trolling for him, man, I, I was on them. It was a real good day. Uh, I think I'm going to have Betty on for that show. That'll be cool to talk to her about it. She's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, 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 to crappie fishing. I always like talking to sister Betty. So Chad, I want to say thank you very much for uh, sharing your time and your knowledge with everybody. Thank you, Mark, for having me. I appreciate it, man. I want to thank everybody in chat for uh, hanging around. We still got 54 people in chat, which is awesome. I want to thank everybody out there in podcast land uh, for subscribing and listening. I want to remind you to check out the description. Chad's links in there. There's other links to follow me on social media. We really appreciate it. Um, one, one more thing that's coming up. I am going to be on the Beer Fish Fanatics podcast. Uh, actually, uh, we're going to do it on Wednesday, I believe. And uh, so, uh, um, Keep an eye on my social media. I'll post links to that if you guys want to hear somebody actually interview me. Um, it should be interesting. So uh, it's an adult, uh, just like it said, it's beer <laughs> fish fanatic. So it, it'll be a good show. I really look forward to it. Kit, uh, Kit and Grady are good guys. They're a heck of a fishermen out there in Iowa. So uh, I want to give them a plug too. So uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, Chad. Um, sorry if I got you in trouble with D, but. Uh, yeah, thanks, bud. You'll live. She loves you. All right, guys, have a good night. Thanks, Chad. Bye-bye. See you, guys.